Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. So today we're going to take communion. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table as we transition from our summer series, uh, which was uh, myths, to the fall series. Uh, and we'll talk about that more a little later. But I really believe uh, that there's nothing better that we could do for our lives and our spiritual lives than to experience the grace of the table. Uh, and this is true uh, for all of us. Um, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what, what brought you here. In, in 99, you might recall, there was a film out called Any Given Sunday. Uh, Oliver Stone produced, he wrote the screenplay, and he directed it. It was, you know, about the NFL. My dad was Oliver Stone's driver. They filmed most of it in South Florida, uh, but they did a two-week stint of filming here at Old Texas Stadium. And so, because my dad was on the set, uh, he got us, Gail and I, on the set, and I brought some friends on the set at the time. But I got to be on the field when they were actually filming scenes, playing, uh, you know, playing. I got to meet some iconic players like Johnny Unitas and Bart Starr. And got, it, was a, it was just cool. Uh, then we, my dad walked us back set to the trailers where the actors were. And I remember walking up, and one actor was sitting outside, and it was Al Pacino. We got to walk up to Al Pacino and he stood up and talked to us. And while we were talking to him, Dennis Quaid came out of his trailer. And at that moment, my dad and I, and I think Mr. Pacino helped me pick Gail up off the floor. <laughs> uh, and I could see in her eyes uh, that she was thinking, as she was looking at him, that we could have been soulmates. <laughs> I, I was seeing that. And I was a little dinged I was a little dinged until Cameron Diaz came out of her. (laughs) And then I understood and we were even. (laughs) But we haven't talked about that day. Those are just fun facts, not helpful spiritually at all. (laughs) Um, But the film was about the dark side, the underside of the NFL. Uh, in Oliver Stone fashion, he sort of put the spotlight on the gritty, business, uh, cutthroat um, stuff that, that goes on behind the scenes in the players' lives and things like that. But the phrase, any given Sunday, I remember when, it, when I first heard it in terms of the movie and, and, and ever since, uh, it rings different in my ear and probably yours. Uh, because it's about when we gather And uh, on any given Sunday, when we walk in this room, there's a lot of things you don't see in our lives. We bring with us unseen, for the most part, issues, pains, struggles. And when we come, we're really hoping that somebody will, whoever's speaking, will say something that speaks directly to our issue and can help. That's tough to do in a room this size with the amount of issues that people have. Uh, 
No one, no one talk can do that. So if you come in on any given Sunday and your marriage is struggling, uh, I could in fact do a marriage talk every week. And somebody would go, I really needed to hear that. Uh, before I left, I had a woman say to me, I'm this close to walking out the door. And you say, I, I hope somebody says something that helps me or you know, fixes him something. Or maybe you walk in and you're just feeling especially fragile. Uh, inadequate. You've taken on some criticism and you're not managing it well. Or you've been overlooked and it's dinged you. And you're feeling a little bit insecure. Maybe you lost something that made you feel secure. And you say, I really hope somebody says something that reassures me, that grounds me. Or maybe you've just blown it completely. And you can't believe what you've done and you're not sure you can forgive yourself. And a lifetime seems too short to make up for it. Very capable of that on any given Sunday. But you say, I I really hope he says something that gives me hope, that allows me to have a new start that's healing. Or maybe you're not sure what you believe really about spiritual things. You may not even really understand why you're here. You can't believe you're here. Maybe it's a last ditch effort. And while you strongly doubt you'll find what you need here, you know something's missing. And you say, I I hope he can say something that shows me the way. Or maybe you've just been crushed. Life's just crushed you. And you're devastated by something Tuesday night, Gail and I had dinner with a family we haven't seen in at least three years. Used to be here, and they're kind of coming back. But the last 18 months, the bottom has literally fallen out of their lives. And I would say catching up with them was one of the most, it was was unbelievably great but it was emotionally almost more than I could handle. The whole way home, Gail and I were in two separate cars. We had to meet there and we called each other on the way and just bawled all the way home. You can't imagine what these 18 months have been like. And while they've been handling it pretty phenomenally well, still you wake up some mornings and you wonder, is God good? Is it possible to call God good after these 18 months? Our lives will never be the same. And you say, I hope he says something that strengthens me and gives me confidence again that God cares about me and that he's good. 
And to all of you, I would say, you, you come to the table. The table is Jesus' way of telling his followers, hey, whatever you do, please remember what I've done for you. Gather around and let me remind you. Do it regularly enough. There's not too much distance between you and that table. And it's not the, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that kind of way that we do all the time with people. We're talking about the table is a way of rehearsing the events of salvation. The bread and the cup in essence, in some ways, sort of reenact the gospel. And we get the opportunity to contemplate the meaning of the cross. The single greatest act of love that an almighty God of the universe who made you, who we defiantly rebelled against, causing the brokenness of all of life, this God humbled himself, became a man, and gave his life. Bore the punishment for our sin, took upon himself, literally, our sin and our punishment. Absorbed evil at every level, not just the personal level, the cosmic, universal level. in order to redeem, remake, and reshape us. Reshape us and ultimately everything in the entire universe will be reshaped eventually because of it. Now if you could take, hear this, if you could take all of the spiritual musings, all of the spiritual ideas, counseling, instruction, etc., that every sage and philosopher and guru have created since the fall of man, and sort of stack them up. No one idea, no combination of all of them could reach the height of this one single idea that God would give his life for us. You cannot entertain a higher spiritual thought than that. And only one religion can even bring it up. And there is nothing that you need right now in your life more than for that cross to become front and center in your world. Nothing your soul needs more than the assurance of that redeeming love in your life. Just the thought that a God like that exists and would do that for me is almost transforming in itself. <clears throat> Let alone that it was real. But it is a power and a truth we often forget. And Jesus knew it. And he would tell you, just get back to the table. At the table, 
when you remember, you renew your connection to that cross. So the cross comes to the forefront and everything of your life is viewed through it. And that's what happens. You stop. When that happens, when that happens, you stop second guessing everything you counted on in the world. Even the good things. You don't count on them anymore. You stop demanding and seeking from other people your value and your worth. You let people off the hook who've hurt you when you come to the table, when the cross is front and center. And you find healing grace when you're guilty. One of the fellows that I encountered a lot in my reading this summer, just by accident, was St. John of the Cross, a 16th century Spanish mystic. There's a quote, I, I put it up here, this is what he said. See if they got it for me. You got it? There it is. I love this line, I've meditated on it. It says, be suspicious if the cross of Christ does not begin to find you. In other words, you're hanging around Christianity. Be suspicious if the cross of Christ does not begin to find you. In other words, what he's saying is Christianity without the cross is nothing. If you don't see all reality through it or let it dictate your reality, then you do not get Christianity. Who you are on the inside, how it shapes you, and how you relate to people on the outside. Jesus said, unless you pick up your cross, you cannot be one of my disciples. You're going nowhere without that cross. Not if you're following him. So when you come to the table, you say, what does that mean when you take, when you come to the table? Well, it has implications for your life. If you're carrying that thing everywhere you go and you're reminded of it and it's front and center and you come to the table to be reminded, it has implications for your life, your relationships, and your identity. That, that means that after coming to the table and the cross finds you, when the cross finds you, the married couple that's miserable, goes home and their first fight is just who's been the bigger jerk when you look at it through the cross. And the single person who's desperate for a relationship, who's been using people and mistreating people, stops. And the single person who's been letting somebody misuse them, they stop too. When you come to the table and you've been fragile, you find peace in how God sees you. And you can withstand the loss 
of anything if you really experience his love. The failure, you come to the cross bold, you humble yourself, and you get freely, and God freely and lavishly bestows upon you forgiveness and grace, and you feel it inside of you, and you're able to survive another day and march into the lives of the people that you've hurt, get it renewed, and start over. That's what the cross front and center does. And if you're a seeker and you don't know what in the world to believe, you don't know which way to go. You let the radical truth that God would love you so much to give his life for you sink into your heart. And I promise it'll transform everything about the way you see the world. And if you've been crushed, You don't, you don't know where to look to know if God's good. You come to the table and you look at the cross. That's the only place you're going to find the truth that God is good. Is that he gave his life for you. Entered that evil. Absorbed that evil. To give us all hope. You're not going to find that anywhere else. And for those of you who are trying to follow, but you're doing everything you can to live the Christian life without any cost to yourself. I mean, like you've come into Christianity and it's literally been your sort of uh, unspoken goal maybe to figure out how it is that you could live the Christian life and it not cost you anything. You just avoid every mess, every difficulty, every painful thing. No risk, no sacrifice kind of Christianity. That means the cross hasn't found you. There's no way to come to the table and meet with a scarred savior and not have any yourself. The cross says it all. It's the message for everyone. There's not a person in here. It's not dealing with something that if the cross comes front and center, the answers become a lot clearer. There's not one of us in here. That's why I think Paul does in Galatians 6.14. He says this. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's everything. Someone who finds the cross and realizes everything that God has accomplished in it. Realizes there's nothing else to glory in. There's nothing else to boast in. I memorized it in the King James Version when I was in high school. The King James Version says it like this. Takes that strong negative I never, it says, God forbid. And that's, that's really the sort of the potency of the text. God forbid that I would give myself, because whatever you glory in, whatever you boast in, that's your big deal. Whatever your big deal is. And we have them all over the place in our lives. Paul says, I have no big deals in my life except that. 
Not the opinion of others, not relationships, nothing. It's just the cross. Because where else are you going to get all that? In one meal. Where else are you going to find it? Go ahead and put your boast and glory in something else and watch it fall apart. It's the reason we're sitting here needy to begin with. Because there's just nothing else. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I don't just believe in the cross. And God help us, let's not just be inspired by it either. Paul's saying it's my everything, it's my identity, it's my life. My hopes are bound up in it. If it didn't happen, I have nothing to hope in. It's the only thing that I cannot possibly imagine living without. It's my standard for living on the one hand. It's the measure of all my relationships. Without it, I'm vulnerable and I'm fragile. It's the only thing that can save me. See, usually what you glory in and what you boast in, you're hoping to save you. Either save you internally or save you externally. Save your reputation, save your ego, save your, your name, your reputation, your soul, whatever you want saved. You come to the table and you realize the cross is the only thing that can save me. And then he says, and, I'm, and, and as a result of it, the world is crucified unto me, and I to it. Paul is saying, when you come to the table, when you come to the cross, when the cross is front and center, you realize all ties to everything else are broken. There's a decisive separation between me and the world and what it offers. And Paul said, as a result of that cross, I stand in an entirely new relationship, a whole new relationship to the entire world. The world gets put in its place when the cross is in its right place. It keeps you from getting sucked into its illusions. It can't mess you around anymore. Some of us are in here today and we, we are messed up because we've been messed around by something. And the cross helps us see through those illusions and anchor ourselves and our souls right to it. If the cross has found you, if the cross has found you, no matter what's happening in your life, it's your boast. That's what you glory in. That's what you cling to. That's the only thing you have. Solid. The band's going to come out and we're going to take communion here in just a second. I just uh, sort of want to close this by saying to you, um, Kirk's back in India. I talked to him just a few days ago. We had a lengthy conversation just sort of catching up on each other's summer and he was just at the time two days away from going back to India. Um, and when Kirk goes to India, one of the big realities he has to deal with over the couple months that he's there is the diet because he can't, he can't eat their food. He gets sick pretty easily. Uh, or the food, I should say, doesn't agree with him there. Um, and so... Uh, 
So we got to talking. He asked me about my, my, my time with Oscar. Because the three of us are pretty good buddies. And he said, uh, well, what'd you guys do? And we talked about it. And he said, tell me what your best meal was. <laughs> and the uh, kind of thing he'd bring up to me. Okay, you've been gone all summer. What was your best meal? I'm like, wow, I, I don't know. Because he knows Oscar and I are little <laughs> eaters. So he said, uh, so I said, well, I'll be honest with you. I gave it some thought sitting there for a minute. We were on FaceTime with each other. And I said, you know, there was a little Italian place in Destin. Gail and I had never been to. Uh, Someone in her family knew the owner. And they were from Italy, made their own sauce. And he said, and it was highly recommended. So we went in there. And I ate everything I never, ever eat. I mean, I really never eat. I don't really ever eat desserts. Rare, very, very rarely. I don't eat pasta. Uh, my, one of my favorite things in the world. Bread is sinful. Bread's just pure sin. <laughs> I do my best to stay away from that. And I had it all. And I had one of the best dishes. But it was our 33rd anniversary. Tw- July 26th, we went to this Tuscany place. And I started to realize it wasn't just the food that was great. It was the company was the occasion the fact that the chef the owner comes in every morning makes the sauce himself doesn't trust anyone else in the kitchen to do it and our server was from Venice and that was interesting and I uh, and then I realized you know at the end of the day those, those meals come and go but when it comes to the nourishment of the soul There's nothing better than the table. You won't find it anywhere else. You come to the table to find grace. And listen to me, let me say it again. There is no other table like it. And once you've been to the table, Calvin Miller says, you learn to pass by lesser meals. Maybe you've been being nourished on something that's not nourishing you at all. But I want you to think about this occasion. I want you to think about what our Savior did in dying on the cross to make this possible. And every morning provides new grace, like new sauce. And the occasion is amazing. It's all of us together struggling to keep the cross at the center. So let me ask you, has the cross found you? Maybe this morning as we gather around the table, the cross will find you again. What we're going to do is we're going to, you're just going to sit there. This is an opportunity for you to just say, God, I don't think I have the cross in front of this situation in my life and I need to put it there. While the men come, they're going to come now, our ushers, and they're going to pass that out. You take it, reflect on it, hold it. We'll take it together.
you know how to take the cross and put it front and center? When we take this in, we're identifying with that cross. So ask yourself, how do I see my world, Lord, in light of what you have done for me? Because it literally changes everything. Nothing happening in your life but the cross in front of it doesn't change the dynamic shift the focus or reorient you reminds us that God loves us that he does care about us that there is hope and there is literally nowhere else to find it Father I lift up everyone in this room before we take because you told us to remember what you did for us that in the times of difficulty and pain and struggle and sacrifice that we would need to be reminded of what you have done for us. Today we remember. We remember how undeserving we were. How infinite your grace and mercy are. What we would be without it. And help us, Lord, to find our strength find our vision for life, to find our, our way through the utterly changed lives, world that we are in because of what you've done. We thank you. And we take this and remember took the bread and he said, this is my body. And this is my blood. 